This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. I hold before you a toothbrush. And you're saying, what does a toothbrush have to do with your sermon on us being the children of God? Well, let me ask you a very important question. And that question is this. How do you know that you are a child of God? Now, you may say, well, I was born in a Christian nation, the United States of America. But that doesn't automatically make you a child of God. You might say, well, my family background. If you knew how many priests and nuns and rabbis and missionaries and ministers in my family tree, well, that doesn't make you automatically a child of God. Some might say, well, it's the education I received. You see, I, I went to parochial school and, or maybe CDC or catechism or even a Christian school and Christian homeschooling. But your schooling doesn't automatically make you a child of God. Some may say, well, it's the church I attended or the religious group that I was part of. But it's not being baptized as an infant that makes you a child of God. It's not being confirmed as a young teenager or having served on missions trips or your religious affiliation. Those things don't automatically make you a child of God. So if it's not your country or your family or your education or your religious background, that makes you a child of God, what does make you a child of God? The Bible says, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And Romans 3 says this, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And this righteousness from God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. All right, how does that toothbrush came, come in? I want you to repeat after me. Faith is like a toothbrush. Faith is like a toothbrush. Everyone needs one. Everyone needs one. And everyone needs their own. You get it now? You can't ride into the kingdom, you can't be a part of the family of God just because you're riding on the coattails of some religious person in your family. You have to have your own faith. 
You have to personalize your faith. You have to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for yourself. You don't inherit the faith. You trust in Jesus that he died on the cross for your sins. Your sins. That he rose from the dead to give you eternal life. Have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That's the question today. How do you know you're a child of God? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ for yourself? Well, now, once you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are three phenomenal things that are true about you. Get ready to be affirmed, child of God. If you came here today and you're feeling a little bit low, if you're feeling a little discouraged, if you're feeling a little beat up, welcome. We're glad you're here. God has a word for you. And the first word he has for you is this. You are... That's not working. There we go. You are capable of more than you think. You are capable of more than you think. You see, when you and I were under the influence of the law, we could never measure up. The purpose of the law was to show us that we're sinners. You see, the law equals the holiness of God. Can any of us approximate the holiness of God? The answer is no. We all fall short of the glory and the holiness of God. So the law had the purpose of convicting us of sin. But grace... Grace is God forgiving you through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross who paid for your sins in full. And because Jesus died for your sins and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord, therefore, you're totally forgiven and you're in grace. And the way to live the Christian life is by the Holy Spirit, not by the energies of your flesh. Now, I want to give you a picture. I'm going to come down here if it's okay. I don't know if this has ever been done in this church. Can you see me? Okay. Imagine that you're at an office party, and it's a celebration. And they announce, we're going to have a contest here, a demonstration. And what we'd like you to do is set up chairs like a maze. So they set up chairs like a maze, and they pick two people. And they have the first person blindfolded. And that person's job is to go from the back of the room to the front of the room with a blindfold on. And every time that person made a wrong turn, they were not heading the right way through the maze, everyone was supposed to go, eh. Now, can you imagine... This poor person trying to get to the front of the room with this blindfold on and turns the wrong way, ah, the wrong way, ah, the wrong way. Ah. It took that person 20 minutes to get to the front. And when he got to the front, he took off his blindfold and threw it on the ground, totally disgusted and uh, upset. That's the law. 
the law. But now the next person had a blindfold, and his job was to go from the back of the room to the front of the room as well. But now every time he made a correct turn, everyone cheered, yay! So imagine he's got the blindfold, and he's making a wrong turn, he doesn't hear anything. He makes a right turn, yay! 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 He got there in five minutes. Can you see the difference between law and grace? Why are you more capable of living the Christian life under grace by the power of the Holy Spirit than by law and the power and influence of the flesh? Because the flesh and the law are constantly condemning you, constantly saying you're a loser. You'll never measure up. Praise God. He has set us free from a performance-based acceptance. We're not loved because of our performance. We're loved because God chose to love us. He chose to accept us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So by grace, by the Holy Spirit, you are more capable now of living a life pleasing to God of fulfilling the purposes of God, of obeying the Word of God, of conquering sin, now you're more capable than you've ever been. So what are the Scriptures? We're looking here where it says in, a, in Romans 8.15, next slide please, it says, uh, 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The word led is the word hand-pulled. Actually, animals would have a rope put around their neck and they would be gently led. But the Holy Spirit is one who comes alongside of us and takes our hand and walks with us. Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is God and is a person, not an impersonal force, takes you by the hand. He's your personal trainer in holiness. And he says, walk ye in this way. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Walk with me. We are led by the Holy Spirit to discern between good and evil, to discern God's will, to discern truth against error, because we're led by the Spirit of truth. We're led by the Comforter. We're led by the Advocate. We're led by the Holy Spirit of God, who's holding our hand and leading us all the way. Anyone who has the hand of Jesus by His Spirit and is being led by Him and is following Jesus, is a child of God. If you're following the world, if you're following the flesh, there's reason to question whether you're a child of God. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. The second verse is Romans 8.15b, the Spirit you received, if you can turn that to the next slide for me, thanks. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. When you were under the law, you were under a pressure to measure up to something you could never measure up to. You felt completely like a failure. 
You tried, then you tried harder, then you tried hardest, then you gave up. Then you tried, then you tried harder, then you tried hardest, and you gave up. You were in a cycle of defeat. And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. He says, wretched man that I am. I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? Now, the physical body is not bad. It's the sin principle that Jesus has killed, crucifying it on the cross. We've died to the law and sin. But even though the antidote for the poison of sin has been given, the effects of that sin will always be with us until we see Jesus. Does that make sense? So sin has already been dealt with, and we are recovering sinners. We are in the process of being saved from the power of sin, growing in holiness, growing in Christ-likeness. And it's not a fearful thing. When Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, what was he saying? He's saying, for my burden is easy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is not wanting you to do all sorts of religious, spiritual gymnastics that are full of do's and don'ts. He wants you out of love to hold the hand of His Holy Spirit and walk with Him. Take my yoke upon you. You know, a yoke was when two animals would be yoked together, an experienced oxen and an inexperienced oxen. And the experienced oxen would be basically saying, if they could talk, They'd say, hey, young oxen there, don't go too fast. You'll be tired out. Hey, stay straight, or they'll uh, really poke you to get straight here. The experienced oxen is showing you how to walk. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Also, yoke represented a rabbi's teaching. So he says, take upon yourself my teaching, because my teaching is not legalistic, my teaching is not fear-driven, my teaching is grace and love. Which is going to motivate you more? Fear or God's favor? Obviously, God's favor. You are not working out of fear, hoping that someday you might do enough to please God. You're working out of favor that you already have, that you're already pleasing to God. And if you know you're already pleasing to God, it's a joy to serve Him. It's a joy to love Him. You do feel obligated to live for Jesus instead of for the flesh, because the person who's been forgiven much sin loves much. He or she who's been forgiven much loves much. And when you realize the loving kindness of the Lord, you can't help but want to live for Him. You're capable of more than you think. Second, you are loved more than you can imagine. You are loved more than you can imagine. When we think about becoming a child of God or being adopted into God's family, the whole concept of adoption seems to express something negative in our culture. 
when, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, when I was growing up as the oldest of four boys, uh, the third born, we would tease him mercilessly, saying he was adopted, as if it was a, you know, a bad thing. And there's some sense where people think adoption is, is that you're a second-rate child. But I'll never forget a mother was asked, you have two kids, one's adopted and one was naturally, biologically born to you, which one was adopted? And she said, you know what? I can't remember. When you're adopted, you're twice born. You were born in the heart of your adoptive parents and you were born when you came into the home. Adoption in the Roman government, when this Bible was written, was extra special. Because let's say a person did not have an heir, and they adopted someone and said, from now on, you're my son, and when you get to legal age, you get everything that's mine. It was a privilege to be adopted in the Roman government. Now, Here's the beauty of it. It says in the Bible, in Romans 8, 15b, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. You are more, you are loved more than you can imagine because God had you on his heart. He had you in mind before the creation of the world to adopt you into his family. Can you imagine that? God loves you so much, he adopted you by his Holy Spirit through your faith in Christ, and the Holy Spirit inside you says, Abba, Father. You know what Abba is? Abba is um, the word, the int word for intimate daddy. It's like saying dada or papa. It's the first words an infant would say. It's in the Aramaic language. Jesus could speak Greek, but he spoke Aramaic and Hebrew. And so, where in the Bible does Jesus say Abba? Mark 14.36. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the worst pressure, stress he's ever experienced in his life. He's going to face the cross. He is praying before God the Father, and he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. It says that he was actually sweating drops of blood, which doctors say that human beings under the cooker pressure of the highest level of stress can actually bleed perspiration. That's how much under pressure, Jesus was. And he prayed, Abba, Father. Even in your toughest times, you can cry out to God, your heavenly Father, and say, Papa, I really need you. Daddy, could you come through for me? I'm struggling. And you know what? We have a loving heavenly Father who will not reject us. He will not abandon us. He will not shoo us away. He will not criticize us. He loves us and he accepts us. And just like a little child can say, Abba, Daddy, Papa, 
and be taken up in the hands and hugged and loved and feel so secure and safe and loved. So are you, a child of God, who's loved more than you can imagine. You are loved more than you can imagine. There are three adoptions in the Bible that I want to mention. And the next verse is 8.16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside a believer, inside of a child of God, just says, I love you. You're mine. You belong to Christ. And there are three adoptions that talk about belonging. One is Moses. Moses was adopted, as you remember, by Pharaoh's daughter. And that, I call that the adoption unto calling. The adoption to be separate from the world. Because uh, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, but then rejected that adoption to choose God's path and eventually be used by God to deliver the people of Israel. He had to refuse the riches and the, the, le the luxuries of this world for a city who's built by God. And so our calling is to be separate from the world. Second adoption is when uh, Mordecai adopted his cousin, Esther. And you remember that Mordecai said, you were born for such a time as this. You've come into being a princess for such a time as this, the saving of the Jewish people from the program that Haman wanted to destroy them through genocide against the Jewish people. Esther was born for such a time as this. Friends, you were born, you were adopted to be separate from the world and for a purpose for such a time as this. And the third adoption in the Bible is an adoption where David says, is there any relative of Jonathan's that's still alive? Oh yeah, Mephibosheth. Well, bring him over. Mephibosheth had lame feet because his handmaiden had dropped him on the way of escape earlier, and so he's an adult now. He has to be carried in because they didn't have wheelchairs then, and he's brought in, and he's thinking he's a dead dog. He's thinking that, that David's going to have him executed because he's the grandson of Saul who chased after David and tried to kill David, even though David was anointed to be king after Saul. But what did David say to Mephibosheth? He said, all the land of Jonathan's is yours. And from now on, you're going to sit at my table and eat with my sons. In essence, he was adopting him. And if there's ever a picture of grace, it's that. As sinners, we're like dead dogs. We have maimed feet. But God, our loving Heavenly Father, says, for the sake of Jesus, you inherit everything and you sit at the king's table every day as a child of God. You are loved more than you can imagine. And the Holy Spirit inside you is testifying you belong to Him. The last point is this. You are worth more than you know. You are worth more than you know. Some of you would uh, have uh, an assessment of your value. And you'd say the house that you own or the savings that you've put away. And you say, wow, I'm worth $50,000. Well, 
or I'm worth $2 million. No, you are worth far more than a financial number. It says in Romans 8.17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We've been adopted, and in Roman government, when you were adopted, you came into your inheritance when you came of legal age. So let's say legal age is 18. Before 18, there's no difference between you and a slave because you're not getting anything until you reach 18. When you're 18, you get it all. And it says in Galatians, not only did God birth us into his family, he automatically raised us and qualified us to inherit everything now. So we are of age in Christ to inherit all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ now and for all eternity. You are worth more than you know. Look at Romans 8, 17. It says, If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In other words, when you come into the family of God, you have resemblance to God your Father and to Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a holiness about you that the world can't stand. Jesus said, they, they'll persecute you because they persecuted me. They hate you because of me. So you will experience persecution this side of heaven because you're standing, standing up for Jesus. And yet, you will experience a glory that will outweigh any persecution you experience this side of heaven for eternity in the Lord's presence. So you are rich beyond belief. I want you to say something with me if you can. Let me read it and then see if you can say it with me. Can you affirm this? I have been born again and adopted as a king's kid into God's forever family. I am of age to inherit everything God's family inherits now and for all eternity. Can you say that? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus? Then say that out loud with me, phrase by phrase. I have been born again. I have been born again and adopted as a king's kid and adopted as a king's kid into God's forever family, into God's forever family. I am of age to inherit everything. I am of age to inherit everything God's family inherits. God's family inherits now and for all eternity. Now and for all eternity. That's what our passage of Scripture is teaching us. And so to summarize the three points, you are more capable than you think. You are more loved than you can imagine. You are worth more than you know. Praise God, we're children of His through faith in Jesus Christ. Now what we're going to do right now is pray. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you for the truth of being in Christ, a child of God, capable, loved, and wealthy beyond all measure in Christ. 
I want to say thank you for your people here and pray that your Holy Spirit would apply these truths to them and bless them as they think about them. And I pray right now for anyone who doesn't have his own toothbrush. I pray for anyone who has not yet received Jesus Christ as his or her Savior or Lord, that they would trust in you now to experience your love and your joy and your peace. They're crying out. They need you. They've been struggling with that, please rescue me from this body of sin. And Jesus Christ, you're the answer. Christ is the answer. And we pray that he would receive you right now by faith. Amen. Would you look up at the screen? This, this is a, what we call a Selah period. I'm going to play a song, The Family of God by Bill Gaither. But I want you to focus not on the song. I want you to focus on the Lord. I want you to do business with him. If you haven't received Christ, pray this prayer. Say, I believe in, receive and follow Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and become a child of God today by faith and by grace alone. If you believe that, pray that to God. He'll hear you and he'll save you. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then if you're already a believer, why don't you by faith thank God, worship God, that your fear is gone because he totally accepts you as his child. Call out to him as your heavenly daddy. Have an intimate time with your loving heavenly father. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.